Dear Heavenly Father, we bow before thee in this day, humbled at all that thou hast done for us through your Son, Jesus, through his love for us, through his shed blood on the cross, and through the power of his resurrection from the dead, and your gift of the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and lives and carry on his work on this earth. We pray for your word to go forth in this day. We pray that you would help us to be yielded to your spirit. We pray for wisdom. We pray for the power of your spirit to be upon us and that you would bless your word as it is read and shared. All these things we thank thee for and pray in Jesus' name, amen. Today is Palm Sunday, and the events of Palm Sunday when Jesus came up to Jerusalem are recorded in all four Gospels. I'm going to read today from uh, Matthew, and I'm also going to uh, refer to the, the other Gospels. But I'm going to start with Matthew 21, with the first verse. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her, Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the full of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. So, the setting for Palm Sunday 
goes back to the Jewish feast of Passover. And if you remember, there were three feasts that required males, all males, to make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year. One, of course, was, was Passover, but also uh, Pentecost and the Feast of the Tabernacles. In this case, of course, the feast that is being celebrated in Jerusalem is the Feast of the Passover. And while it is difficult to uh, ascertain the population of Jerusalem at this time, and many historians had a tendency to exaggerate, we are pretty certain that the population of the city would swell to two to three or four times its normal number of inhabitants um, when Passover occurred. And so from all over Israel, you would have many, many of these caravans of people that would come into Jerusalem during this time of the feast. You can imagine it was a very, uh, very exciting or tumultuous time, depending on how you look at it. Uh, probably some of, some of us uh, would uh, prefer, uh, preferred, if this was happening in our city, perhaps to uh, lay low for the week. But nevertheless, um, many pilgrims came into the, the city, and Jesus in particular and the group he was with of his disciples they came up via the Jericho Way, the road leading from Jericho up to Jerusalem. So this can be traversed, or at least in those days, it was, could be traversed in about a day's, a day's uh, journey, or I'm sorry, two days, um, in, in about a day's journey, a uh, full day, of course. It was about uh, around 15 miles, give or take, and it was a winding road, which of course has been, uh, is uh, much recorded in the Bible. Uh, Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan, of course, took a place on the Jericho Road, and we, uh, we know, of course, that uh, based on that parable and from the things that we know historically, that it was not safe for someone to travel alone on that road. But during this time of the year, uh, many people were traveling in, in caravans and coming up from Jericho to Jerusalem. And in spite of the difficulties of the journey, it is in fact, of course, uh, pretty much uh, uh, 14, miles, uh, 14 miles straight up uh, from Jericho, which is actually below sea level, up to the Mount of Olives. So this is a winding road that, that has a very, a very steep a steep ascent over the uh, over 14 miles or so until we reach the uh, Mount of Olives. And in this case here, we start in Matthew. We see that uh, they were getting close to Jerusalem. They were coming into Bethphage, and uh, also this was near uh, Bethany, where Martha and Mary and Lazarus lived. And Bethany was a little less than two miles outside of the city, uh, shortly before you reached the Mount of Olives.
And here the disciples were asked to go and procure a procure a donkey for Jesus to ride on, a colt, a young donkey. And uh, they were able to do this without, um, in spite of the fact that they did not, uh, uh, they uh, simply asked to take the donkey and of course uh, they were given, given, the, given the donkey to take with them. If we look in John, we'll see that John frames this in a slightly different way. In John 12, John frames this whole approach to Jerusalem and the excitement of Jesus coming uh, on what Jesus had done shortly before this, which was raise Lazarus from the dead. And in John uh, 10, I'm sorry, 12:10, it says, "But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus." And then it starts into the story of of uh, Jesus coming up to Jerusalem. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. So here in John we see, we usually think of people coming with Jesus and going down from the Mount of Olives into the Kidron Valley and coming up into Jerusalem. Um, But here we see that John says that people were so excited to see Jesus that they went out to meet him. And as I looked at these scriptures, the question came to me is, as I looked at the different groups of people here, is how would I, how would I characterize these people or uh, what, what types of, and uh, what different ways did people come to view this, view Jesus' entry here into Jerusalem. So as I thought about this, I came up with four main types. Number one, uh, the uninformed. If we look in Matthew, go back to the scripture in Matthew, there were a bunch of people that said, who is this? There were people who didn't know who Jesus was. And then we have the the skeptical. If we look in Luke 19.39, we see that as Jesus we see that the Pharisees said, Master, rebuke thy disciples. This is when they heard the crowd shouting, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And Jesus answered and said, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would cry out immediately. So we had the skeptical. 
some who express their skepticism out loud. If we look in John 12.19, we see another group of skeptics, also the Pharisees, that said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone out after him. So we have the skeptics that expressed their skepticism out loud. We have the skeptics that were silenced, or the whispers, as I would like to call them, sitting in the background and uh, uh, being skeptical among themselves. And then we also, perhaps, have the unknown or the silent. I'm sure that there were many who were just silent. There were some, of course, like I said, who may have uh, been turned off by the crowds and uh, went away. There are some who were mainly perhaps curious and uh, wondered but did not express their questions. Uh, we see immediately after this, if we look at John, how certain Greeks came to Philip and said, Sir, we'd like to see Jesus. It seems that they had seen this event and they were curious. And again, there may have been those who were silent, those who had hard hearts, those who uh, were or just uh, perhaps just astounded or amazed at what they had seen and chose not to speak, to speak it. But perhaps the most important type of people who were present at this were those that I'd like to call the witnesses. In Matthew, when some ask, who is this? Verse 11, chapter 21, verse 11, the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. There were those who witnessed those who replied with exactly who Jesus was. If we look at Mark 11, for one example, verses 9 and 10, of course, we see more of this witnessing. We see those that praise Jesus saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We also see those who witnessed in another way. Back to Matthew 21. Verse 8, And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and straw them in the way. 
or back to John. They took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. These people took action. Their witness was based on action. But perhaps also, if we look at this, it was based on submission. They took their garments, they took their personal garments, they spread them on the donkey, they, stro- they threw them down in front of the path of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. They gave them themselves personally. They witnessed not only with words, but with actions. And that, of course, is important too. Recently, within the last couple years, not that recent, I guess, Barna did a study of self-described Christians and asked them about their actions and attitudes, asked them about uh, actions that might be like Jesus and actions that might be like the Pharisees here, that might be like the skeptics. And the list of They were given a list of actions and attitudes to rate themselves on. And of those self-identifying Christians, 51% chose actions and attitudes that were most closely resembled those of the Pharisees or the skeptics. Only 14% of these self-professing Christians chose actions and attitudes that reflected what the survey felt were those of Jesus. And the remaining, uh, of course, were somewhere in between. So if we as believers today want to be witnesses, I think we have to be careful to reflect the actions and the attitudes of Jesus. And as I read through some of the study's questions, I was convicted and moved We've already talked today in Bible class about the importance of being a witness. So I'd like to read you some of these. So again, uh, as I've learned here from my, my personal experience in academia, we always have to be careful when we create questions for a survey. 
about uh, whether they reflect the intent, how people might interpret them, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not saying these questions are perfect, but I think that they really get to the heart of the matter, and you may disagree with perhaps how they're stated. But here are some of the actions that were attributed to being like Jesus' actions. Number one, I listen to others to learn their story before sharing my faith. Number two, I regularly choose to have meals with people of different faiths or morals than me. Uh, we didn't read it this year, but Zacchaeus, of course, the, the uh, experience with Zacchaeus happened here on the road between Jericho and Jerusalem right prior to this. I proactively seek to discover the needs of non-Christians. I personally spend time with non-believers to help them follow Jesus. In recent years, I have influenced multiple people to consider following Christ. Like I said, very convicting list. Those are just the actions. If I go on to the attitudes, I don't know that we can totally discern the attitudes of everyone that was waiting to see Jesus that was present here on Palm Sunday, but I think we have a pretty good idea uh, based on, uh, on what we've read, the story, some of the attitudes that were there. But here are some attitudes like Jesus from the survey. I see God-given value in every person, regardless of their past or present condition. I believe that Jesus, that God, is for everyone. I see Jesus working in people's lives, even when they are not following him. It is more important to help people know that Jesus is for them and seeking them than to make sure they know they are sinners. Finally, I feel compassion for people who are not following Jesus and who are doing immoral things. You know, if I, as I look at that list, uh, I realize it comes short. I could go and I could read the list of the uh, Pharisees' attitudes and actions, but perhaps today, in the spirit of Palm Sunday, we should stop with the attitudes 
and actions of Jesus. Psalm 118.22 says, The stone which the builders rejected or refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Recently, I went to my 45th high school class reunion. A friend and I were asked to uh, prepare some type of, of program. After the dinner, but we were co-opted. One of my classmates, same age as me, came through the door, and uh, it was a person I hadn't seen for many years, a person in high school that wasn't really in my group of friends, Someone that I would not have uh, said was a churchgoer or had followed the word of God. But when she came in the door, she was very happy, very enthusiastic, and we, uh, we greeted her. And then she uh, came up to someone and she said, would it be okay if I had the prayer for the meal? And so we said, oh, sure, go ahead had the prayer, and she had a prayer. First time I'd ever heard a prayer. First time pray. First time I ever imagined that uh, I, I uh, may have imagined in my mind that she even prayed. And then in the uh, program that evening, we asked the group to split up and to talk about life lessons that they would sh could share with the with the uh, the group as we get older, as we progress in our aging. 
60 is the new 40, you know, of course. And when it came her time to share, she said, you know, a year ago, I went to my grandson's baptism. And I cried, and it broke me. And she said, tomorrow, my son and I are going to be baptized. And I am just so thankful what the Lord has done in my life. And she said, don't tell anybody. It's too late. You're never too old. You're never too old to experience the Lord. You're never too old to come to salvation. You're never too old to pick up that palm branch. You're never too old to take your garments and throw them down, to submit yourself to the Lord, to give yourself to the Lord, to come before him and honor and praise him and glorify his name. You're never too old to experience Palm Sunday. I pray that each of us would be witnesses this year at Easter and all year, and that each of us would experience the joy of the Lord that was present on the first Palm Sunday. May God bless his word.